Today on Ag News Daily. I can't stress enough that everybody needs that's involved in livestock, you know, cattle, sheep, pigs, goats, honeybees. We need everybody to contact their elected officials and, and get this thing forward. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Today is... Tuesday, June 20th. My name is Delaney Howell, and I am one of the hosts for the Ag News Daily podcast. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your views, Mike Pearson, my co-host, is unable to be on today's podcast. He is in Minnesota giving a speech to, I think, a group of bankers, if I remember correctly. So it'll be just me flying the plane today, but we I have a ton of great news to bring to our listeners, and we have a pre-recorded interview with Steve Hilker of Hilker Trucking that Mike and I taped last Friday to talk about electronic logging devices and Steve's recent trip to Washington, D.C. But before we get to that, let's take a look at some news. In the world of Washington, Secretary Sonny Perdue named today three individuals who will take on leadership roles at the USDA. So after that reorganization that was announced May 11th, that was going to eliminate the undersecretary position for rural development. And in its place, three new positions were going to be structured. So now we have the names of those people that will be taking over the new positions. So Jason Halfmeister will now serve as the Acting Deputy Undersecretary for Farm and Foreign Agricultural Services. Dr. Robert Johansson will serve as the Acting Deputy Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation. And for those of you that have been paying attention, that was the position that Secretary Bill Nor, the Iowa's Agriculture Secretary, had been rumored to be in the running for, but obviously he did not receive the position. So, you know, that's good and bad for Iowa agriculture. We're, of course, happy to keep him here in Iowa as our secretary. Dan Jorn will fill the role of Acting Deputy Undersecretary for Natural Resources and Environment. And then obviously last week we had Ann Hazlitt, who was announced to lead the Rural Development Agencies at the USDA. In other news... More dicamba decisions are on the way for Arkansas. A lot of states have been deciphering what they want to do with dicamba products and dicamba herbicides, but Arkansas announced yesterday that they would be having a subcommittee of the Arkansas Plant Board today, June 20th, to discuss restrictions on dicamba products. Currently, as of June 19th, there were 97 official complaints about alleged misuse of dicamba products, including drift, incorrect spraying techniques, etc. And of those 97 official complaints, that made up 14 counties in Arkansas. So today, Tuesday, the Arkansas Plant Board was going to be holding a hearing to decide what they should do and if they should ban in-crop use of dicamba. The proposals under consideration would ban in-crop use of dicamba for 120 days. And to make that a permanent rule, the Arkansas Plant Board would have to follow the rulemaking process, which would include a public hearing first. So a lot of, a lot of states have been moving towards restricting dicamba use. Mississippi, Tennessee, and Missouri are also reporting some symptoms of dicamba drift 
And as we see Dicamba move more into the market, I'm sure we'll see other states following suit, depending on what Arkansas does today. So if you live in Arkansas and want to make your voice heard, we will share an article on the website. And there's a link in there where you can voice complaints or favoritism of the new Dicamba ruling. On Monday, another lawsuit was filed against the USDA, but this time in regards to country of origin labeling. On Monday, ranchers sued the USDA asking to again have labeled products, specifically beef, if it is imported into the United States. So a group made up of the Ranchers Cattlemen Action Legal Fund, United Stock Growers of America, and the nation's largest group of independent cattle producers, and the Cattle Producers of Washington filed a lawsuit against the USDA in federal court in Spokane, Washington. So their lawsuit is seeking to overturn the March 2016 decision by the USDA to revoke regulations requiring imported meat products to be labeled with their country of origin. That change also allowed imported meat to be sold as U.S. products. So we're again continuing to see not only consumer demand, but also now producer demand to see country of origin labeling. In other beef news, Canadians, for our Canadian listeners out there, you should be expecting a big jump in the prices of meat, and specifically red meat. The researchers behind Canada's annual food price report say that you should expect food inflation to be slightly lower this year than previously expected, but unfortunately big jumps in the price of meat. Experts say you should expect meat prices to jump 7 to 9% by the end of 2017, rather than the 3 to 5% that experts anticipated back in December. There's a lot of speculation about why the price is inflating, but a few speculations include low inventories, particular for cattle and hogs, as well as grocers boosting prices to increase profits at the meat counters after prices were a little depressed at the end of 2016. So we will continue to watch that. And, you know, it would be interesting to get a few Canadian ranchers on to discuss what they've been seeing and see if they're still getting a good bottom dollar for their products. So if anyone out there knows of a Canadian farmer that produces hogs or cattle, please feel free to get a hold of us on Twitter or Facebook at AgNewsDaily, or feel free to shoot us an email, info at AgNewsDaily. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look at today's closing market prices. In the corn market, July corn we see down again, ending the day down five and a half cents to close at 369 and three quarters. December corn down five and a half cents again, closing the day at 387 and three quarters. In the soybean pit, both July and Novi beans down nine cents. July closing the day at 928 and three quarters, and Novi beans down closing the day at 939 and a half. In the wheat market, July wheat continuing that rally, we see Wheat closing up five and a half cents to end the day at four seventy-two and a half, and December wheat up five cents, closing the day at five oh eight and three quarters. In the livestock pits, June live cattle up thirty-five cents to end the day at one twenty 
35, getting a nice little rally there towards the end of the markets today. But August cattle down 20 cents to end the day at 115.90. In the August feeder cattle contract, we ended the day down a dollar seven and a half to close at 143.92 and a half. And September contract closing down a dollar 15 to end the day at 143.32 and a half. In the lean hog market, continuing that nice rally as well, July lean hogs. Finished the day up $1.10 to end at $85 even. And August lean hog contract up 17.5 cents to end the day at $81.65. In the milk parlor, class 3 milk, June rose a penny to end the day at $16.33. And July contract down 26 cents to end the day at $15.96. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we have now for you an interview that was taped last week, as mentioned earlier, with Steve Hilker of Hilker Trucking out in Kansas, and he's really going to give us his take on what happened during their recent trip to Washington, D.C. We are joined now by Steve Hilker of Hilker Trucking there in Kansas. We've had Steve on the program before, but Steve, we wanted to get you back on to hear about your trip to Washington, D.C. Why don't you give us a general overview of who you got to talk to while you're there? Well, that was my first trip to Washington, D.C., and I was, I'm glad I went. I was really glad to get back home. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a whole different world up there for a country. Oh, yeah. Like but, and I would like to go back and spend just a little time on, on my own schedule because we just had meetings one after the other. It was a it was a fast paced U.S. Cattlemen's Association had us teed up for just one meeting after the other. Uh, we met with the Senate Minority Ag Committee, the Senate Majority Ag Committee. Uh, we met with the USDA, and we met with the FMCSA and the Department of Transportation Building. In between all those, we met with. Um, well, I myself met with Senator Jerry Moran's office. He was in session both times that we were there, so we, we had to meet with staffers. Senator James Langford from Oklahoma. Um, we went to Senator Roberts' office twice, both times he was in session, met with staff. Met with Congressman Roger Marshall from Kansas, was able to hook up with him very attentive, has already reached back out to us. Um, then members of my transportation committee met with their elected officials, and I, I won't go through the names, but they met with a senator from Arizona, Nevada, both from Iowa, uh, North Dakota, and, I, and I'm missing one. But anyway, the Quite a good meeting show. with Go ahead, say that again. It was you, you got quite a good showing there with with members of Congress. I mean, you really covered quite a bit of this country, at mm -hmm. least uh, talking to the legislators. We did, and that was kind of the intent when I when I put this transportation committee together for the U.S. Cattlemen's. You know, I, I I reached out to people that I've known or worked with. They helped me with some people that I didn't know, but uh, they had been working with. Some of them that were on my transportation committee, the first time I met them was when we all got to get together in Washington, D.C. We'd been on a conference call 
or two or exchanged emails, but just a great bunch of, of folks that um, we got assembled, and it was a good cross-section and, and went really well. Uh, we all had the same reception. It was interesting. From when we got back together after meeting with our elected officials, uh, we all had the same reception, very attentive, uh, willing to help, want to help with getting exemptions through for livestock transportation. When we laid out in front of them what it is we do and how we do it and with the regulations that we're going to be required to operate under, they all understood it and said, well, that's not going to work. So very good reception from our on the legislative side. Steve, I was watching one of the YouTube videos that you shared on the Hilker Trucking page and was it the FMCSA that group that didn't understand trucking? I remember I remember you mentioning one of the groups didn't even understand really what you guys did and you had to kind of explain it to them. Yeah, that was when that was the last meeting that I was able to attend because I had to catch a flight and it was actually the meeting that I was there for and and kind of was supposed to lead and mm-hmm. uh yeah they uh they don't understand what we do in livestock transportation or really the livestock industry uh i laid out you know from when we were first required to record hours of service on a piece of paper 50 or 60 years ago i don't even know when it was it was way before i drove and that was i drove 35 years ago so but anyway i said there's never been anybody at the table representing livestock transportation or the livestock industry until today. Mm-hmm. We have an opportunity here to, to modernize these uh, these rules and laws and mandates and to get it right. And then I laid out the proposal that we have for amended hours of service for livestock transportation. It's not so much the electronic recorders that are coming, it's the hours of service for livestock. And... When I went through that, and then we had some question and answer sessions, one of the attorneys for the FMCSA just asked, well, why don't we ship them by train? Mm. Oh, man. My initial (laughs) response did not get out of my mouth, but uh, (laughs) Bobby West from Ohio actually handled that. Okay. uh, And did a great job uh, explaining why we no longer can ship them by train train so that gives you an idea of how just how disconnected or how far apart we are on 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 the actual livestock world and and the transportation world of livestock Mm -hmm. regulation side that regulates us it's a it's a big gap so steve did they come back with any indication as to when they might discuss the amended hours of service as to when an exemption might be put in place, or are we just kind of treading water right now? I don't get the sense that there's going to be much discussion or uh, much favorable talk for amendments, even though we presented them. I think it's going to have to totally come back around from the from the legislative side, where we had good reception, good meetings, and I can't stress enough that everybody needs that's involved in livestock, you know, cattle, sheep, pigs, goats, honeybees. I didn't know that until I talked to somebody in the honeybee industry mm. that they're they can't be stopped in transit either. Huh. So um 
Yeah, I didn't know that, but yeah, they can't be stopped either. So we need everybody to contact their elected officials and, and get this thing forward because I, I think I'm cautiously optimistic that we can come back around that side because the, a gentleman from Nevada said, well, they legislated it in, I guess we can legislate it out. So that's kind of the path we're going to have to take. So Congress can insert language into the appropriations bill. Is that correct? Yes, and they have done that. We have uh, one one of our elected officials has inserted wording into the appropriations bill that will at least force a discussion on livestock livestock transportation Mm -hmm. hours of service. And in talking to some of the staff that was up there, when I told them that that's been inserted, I said, you know, I said in in the big scheme of things, that should be a pretty easy give and get. We're not talking about the entire ELD mandate. We're just talking about livestock, and that's a really mm-hmm. small niche. And I said, you know, that that should be fairly simple because we're not asking for, nor would we have to give a lot to get that pushed through. So. That's probably the area where I'm uh, most optimistic, you know, and, and it can all change. You know, but that's the direction that we have to go right now. So the language would say that livestock has an exemption and doesn't have to follow the 11-hour rule, or what wording are you asking for um, an exemption? I don't know how in-depth you want to go with the, <laughs> with, with the proposal. Yeah, well, what we what we're asking for is a split sleeper berth, which we used to have. Right now, you have to have ten hours unbroken in the sleeper, or it mm-hmm. just doesn't count for you. And we used to be able to go two and eight, four and six, five and five, as long as it totaled ten. Okay. You can do that, and that would be huge for us mm-hmm. to be able to go back to that. And interestingly, the FMCSA is launching a study, a pilot program on split sleeper berth. Hmm. So they recognize that probably there is at least a reason to reconsider the split sleeper berth. That would make a big difference. We also have data backing up from Kansas State University and Dr. Temple Grandin. 28 hours on a truck is about the maximum for shipping cattle. I'll speak to cattle because that's what Mm -hmm. I do. Uh, after that, then you start having shipping stress, injuries, stuff like that. So that's kind of the hard line that's there. You can't do anything longer than 28 hours. And that certainly doesn't mean drive 28 hours. It just means if you went on duty, loaded the cattle, and then you took a split sleeper berth in there, say, for three hours, you could extend your drive time three hours. And then if you went into the sleeper for two hours, you could extend two more hours. But nothing could exceed 28 hours, all that combined. Driver, driving, split sleeper, loading, unloading, it would all have to be done within that 28-hour envelope. All right. So hopefully, hopefully if folks take action and, uh, you know, this, as you mentioned, yeah, honeybees, hogs, sheep, anything that we eat travels by truck. And we want to make sure that those animals are treated humanely that they're not subject to the additional stress of, uh, you know, sitting in the hot sun for longer than necessary. And to do that, it'd be important to have uh, 
common sense exemptions for the livestock industry. So, Steve, we need folks to call their Congress people, uh, both Senate and House, correct? Or both Senate, yeah, is, Senate and House. Yes, that is correct. And on our Facebook page at Hilker Trucking, there are templates for letters. Uh, if they want to shoot us a message, we'll get them contact information to their specific congressmen or senators. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be a resource for them if, if they need help. We're glad to do it. Perfect. Now, uh, Steve, I've got one follow-up question for you. You mentioned you were at the Pratt Livestock Sale yesterday. Did you uh, did you watch the prices at all? How'd the auction seem to go? Well, I was more... I, I couldn't speak to if they were higher or lower, honestly, because guys are all, you know... The, You'll get a different opinion from about everybody that walks in there. Those, That's right. That Fred Steer sure brought a ton. I gave too much for them. Well, <laughs> That's right. It's uh, always too cheap for the seller and too high for the buyer. Yeah, and I was I was just doing envelopes and getting shipping papers ready to go. So, gotcha. Uh, you know, as far as the market trend, I would not be a good market reporter. But I can tell <laughs> you that everybody has an opinion, and, they're, they're usually not in line with one another. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's true. And that's what makes a market work. Well, Steve Hilker from Hilker Trucking, we want to thank you so much, both for your heading out to D.C. to bring this issue to legislators' uh, attention and for taking the time to talk to us and give us an update. Glad to do it. And anytime you guys want to talk about it or if we have something come down the pike that's, that's uh, I think we need to make people aware of, I'll get a hold of you. Again, a big thank you to Steve for taking the time to talk to us with last week. And if you are on Facebook, folks, be sure and check out some of his videos um, on his Facebook page, Steve Hilker Trucking. He has been posting a lot of great videos talking about their trip to D.C., talking about what they accomplished, what they are hoping to see accomplished as we move near that deadline for having electronic logging devices in place. Looking ahead to the rest of the week, tomorrow Mike and I will be talking to Quentin Rund, who is the conference secretary for the InfoAg conference. And for those of you that aren't familiar with the conference, InfoAg is one of the largest precision ag conferences, I think internationally. It is an international conference. And Mike and I will be attending the conference. It's held in St. Louis, Missouri in July july 25th through the 27th i believe are the specific dates that last week of july there so we'll get some some information more information from quentin about the conference how you all can attend who will be there and what to expect but we will be also hosting live during the conference that week if you are unable to attend then on thursday we will be attending the iowa's women land sales conference in brooklyn iowa And next week, don't forget, we will be at the Farm Her Conference in Des Moines. So if you're going to be there, please let us know on Facebook or Twitter. We would like to get as many interviews and meet as many Farm Her women as possible. With all that being said, folks, please feel free to check out our website, www.agnewsdaily.com, and continue to check us out on Facebook and Twitter, at agnewsdaily for both. Or if you are not on social media, feel free to email us info at agnewsdaily.com. 
With all that being said, folks, have a good afternoon, and Mike and I will see you right back here tomorrow.